Hello everyone, my name is Horace Ryan III. I'm a graduating senior at Morehouse College studying sociology with a minor in education. This is my geez, third year, third summer with the Freedom School Literacy Academy. And today I have the honor, the esteemed honor of not replacing, just holding, holding the spot for your usual host, Shana Terrell. I'm your guest host today on the Building the Black Educator Pipeline podcast. Now, I am representing Philly, arguably the best city on earth. However, I have two lovely people with me here today who are going to introduce themselves, their school, their classification, all that stuff, as well as their city, because that matters too. So we're going to have Brigitte. You can go first, and then we'll follow up with Joe. Hello, my name is Brigitte. I am a rising junior at Hans University, and I am currently completing my first year with FSLA, and I'm representing Memphis. All right. Well, congrats to you all, and thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. Horace, my name is Joe Russell. I recently graduated from Spelman College, and I'm coming to you live from the best city in the United States, the city of Motown Soul, Detroit, Michigan. Word, word. It's a pleasure to have you both here today. I think we're all guests. Um, I, I've been on the podcast twice, so I'm a little bit of a vet. However, I'm not usually hosting. So, to begin all of that, I want to ask either of you, I guess we'll start in the same order that you introduced yourselves, right? So what inspired you to be a future educator? What inspired you? Brigitte, we'll start with you. Well, I've always loved reading and through my journey in school, I've always had a positive experience and I also always loved volunteering. And so I see education as a way to give back to my community. Um, while in, um, prolonging that positive experience for others. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. For me, I've always been a lifelong learner and an, I've had a deep admiration for educators. Both of my parents are educators in Detroit public schools. So I've watched my mom and dad transform classrooms into sanctuaries for learning all of my life. I have a lot of respect for the people who have, who have taught me and Freedom School when I joined as a SLA last summer was the perfect opportunity for me to give back and to pour into black children, just like I had been nurtured. That's beautiful. That's beautiful from you both. Now, Joe, you talked about admiration, admiration for teachers, right? And your parents were educators. And Brigitte, that whole giving back piece, right? And I think in our current, our current one racial climate, but education climate, we are missing a, a key point. And this is why this podcast even exists. It's building that Black educator pipeline. So my next follow-up question would be, have you ever had a Black teacher? And if yes, what effect do you think that has had on you? And if not, what are some ways that you think you could have benefited from one? Because I know for myself, my first Black teacher wasn't until fourth grade. His name was Teacher Maurice. He was a substitute gym teacher. So we saw him almost every day 
and he was just kind of around, but he wasn't a consistent force in my life. And then I didn't get another black teacher, a black male teacher for that instance, until my freshman year of high school. And then never again until my freshman year of college, where I go to an HBCU, right? So I would love to hear about your experiences. We'll go, we'll go in the same order again. So Brigitte, you go ahead. So one of the most impactful um, black teachers I've had was Ms. Pasquale. She was my music teacher in middle school and she helped me discover my passion for music. And I have yet to have another black music teacher, but being able to have that experience of enjoying that art with her has really allowed me to keep playing the cello for all the years I've had. How many years is that? Um, about 10 years now. Jesus. Okay. Okay, look at you. <laughs> we need you in Freedom School teaching enrichment next. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Hey, we, hey, we, need, we, need, we need some down to Tanner Ducker in Philly, bro. We need some music teachers. But go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. Um, I've been blessed to have countless Black teachers all throughout my education journey since kindergarten all the way up to graduating from college. And it's truly a blessing because I can't even, I've, I've just learned so much from different black teachers. For instance, um, my fifth grade English teacher, her name was Miss Walker. She told me, she taught us about the importance of HBCUs and that was the first time I learned about them. Then when I went to high school, um, I had an English teacher named Miss Williams and another one named Miss Green, and they had us read um, Tanahasi Coates' Between the World and Me. And that's when wow. I fell deeply in love with H HBCUs. To hear Tanahasi Coates talk about his time at the Mecca, I was like, I know exactly where I want to go for college. I'm looking at no other schools outside of HBCUs. I don't want, I don't want to deal with anything else except for a black um, collegiate experience. So I have just so many educators to think, I mean, to think, and yeah, it's been a blessing. No, that's beautiful. Wow, no, see, it, I, I think what's so amazing about having these educators in our lives is that they lead us into these particular spaces that we don't, we sometimes don't see ourselves, right? Like, I do not know many black people who play the cello. Right. And I don't I myself don't know many black people who have had that many black teachers in their lives. So it's so amazing to see how these people have impacted us in such a beautiful way. And I guess in, in another way, it, it, it has brought us to this point where, where we're here at Freedom Schools. Right. Like I thought, Joe, I'll be honest with you. I thought I was the only person in the AUC who was at Freedom Schools. I like I'll be real. Right. And. I've been with them for what three years now, and at first I thought it was just Philadelphia, but now we're in Detroit. Now we're in Memphis. Like this is pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. So, just to follow that up, like what made you? What what brought you here? What what made you join Freedom School Literacy Academy? Joe, we'll start with you. Yeah, it is nice. The AUC is deep, actually. So last year we had two two other people from the AUC. Um, as SLAs, one from Clark and another Spelman sister, my sister, actually. So this year, I think I'm the only one holding it down from the AUC, but there, maybe we can like start a program, promote it more on our campus. And I'm sure 
more people would love to join Freedom School. Um, Absolutely. Remind me, Horace, Horace, of your original question. Uh, what made you join Freedom School Literacy Academy? Gotcha. So at Spelman, my senior year, I did this program called Spell Reads, where we went into different Atlanta public schools. And this time it was very different. Like we learned a new way of teaching, which involved like liberation, playing with the kids, a whole, a whole nother pedagogy for engaging with children. And I was like, I want to continue doing that. And Freedom School, my sister, she found like a link to the website. And I was like, oh my gosh, this would be a really great opportunity to practice what we learned, get in front of children, actually lead the classroom. And I love the whole philosophy behind Freedom School, continuing the work of civil rights leaders to educate young children um, with the love for blackness. So. All of that was very attractive to me, and I knew that I wanted to apply and participate. No, absolutely. And I think what's what's beautiful about what you said is that we are continuing the work. Like one thing that uh, a teacher of mine, Dr. Ralph Simpson at Morehouse, he said that this this education work, it's it's hard work, but it's also heart work, right? It is something that has to be ingrained into who you are, because most of the time, you're going to hear the, there's no money in teaching. I don't want to teach somebody's bad kids. Like, like, all right, let's wait a minute. Let's, let's get rid of that language there. Right. Like we are doing what we do because we love what we do. Now, Brigitte, you might have a different answer. What, what, what got you here? What, what made you join Freedom School Literacy Academy? So um, I was connected to Freedom School through my college career center and um, by reading the description, I automatically fell in love with the program because I already knew I was interested in education in the future and um, saw this as an opportunity to really start working towards that goal. Gotcha. So I guess my, my follow-up question for you, because you're, you are, this is your first year with Friends School Leadership Academy, right? This is your first year. So what you've experienced so far, how do you think that the center and this initiative can reach more college students who, for one, might not be interested in teaching, like that we can start there, but also for the ones that are interested in teaching and education, how can we reach them, especially the the, the young Black kids that might not have had that Black teacher, but they can be the Black teacher for somebody else? I think um, school fairs, like club having a freedom school pop up at a college fair or um, be promoted through black educators themselves to their own students could be a way to encourage and um, spread the word. And I would hope that students would be interested in joining because as of right now, through my process with the training and teaching the students, I feel like anybody who goes through Freedom School would really enjoy the process and learn more about education and about themselves and community. Mm -hmm. I agree. I definitely agree. Uh, uh, it's a really interesting phenomenon that happens. And it happens every year. Every every single year that I've been back at Freedom School, the, the same thing happens. So, you know, we have we have our SLAs, which is which is us, and we have our JSL, which is our ju junior servant leaders. And one key thing about Freedom Schools that I think everybody should know 
It's the buy-in. You have to buy in. You have to do the do, right? And something that's always so interesting, you see all these young high schoolers and these college students, and we're doing we're doing things that are very different. We aren't, we have to express ourselves. So this goes into my next question, but the phenomena is this. Harambe. All right. Every single morning we are doing Harambe. Harambe requires us to actually wake up and be together as one and to buy into the chants and cheers that outside of freedom schools might seem a little weird, right? My favorite chant and cheer is Miss Ruby dance. I'm not going to do it. You should, because I, I, don't, I don't know it. I don't know it. I've never heard that. Oh, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Okay, so it goes like, Miss Ruby dance, how she dance, Miss Ruby dance, how she dance, Miss Ruby dance, how she dance. And then you, you do a little dance, you go, she dance like this. She dance, and y'all can see me, but they can't see me. All right, but so my question is, my question is, what is your favorite Harambe change mm. here? If you have one, because I, I have a couple, but that one, that one is my favorite. So we'll go Joe. Or Okay, Joe, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, my favorite one is Power. Do y'all know that one? Ooh, that's a good one. I love that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that one. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. That's good. I that's love good. that one because you can one. run around the circle. You can get everyone dancing. That one really gets me hyped in the morning because, you know, I like to jump. I like to act silly. Yeah, it's a lot of fun doing that. No, that's a good one. That's, that's, that's a great one, actually. I forgot about Okay, all right, good, good, good. all right. <laughs> Richie, what about you? What about you? My favorite is I love being black. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's beautiful. Wow. Oh, wow. We do have some pretty good chance in cheers. One day, one day we'll post on social media, but then we can't because the feds be watching, but that's all right. That's all right. All right. So I have a couple other questions. Um, so I want to make sure that we we get into the nitty-gritty because Shayna approached me. It was like, yeah, I want you to host it. I want you to really talk about things that matter. And I'm like, oh, absolutely. What, what matters, right? Not in like a pessimistic type of deal, but like a, how can we as Black people start having conversations that, you know, are building on what we've already done? Going back to, to the point about, you know, building on the work of our civil rights leaders, right? So this next question is, is a little, it's a little weighty, right? So it, it is in every era, it has its focus for freedom and liberation. Slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, civil rights, the whole nine, right? Like we've talked about that. So in 2023, right now, on July 3rd, what is our focus, right? Like what, what are the things that our generation needs to be unified on? And how can we unify for resistance? Like what is our current fight for liberation? Brigitte, well, we can start with you. I would say um, maintaining what um, preceding um, generations have solidified, but also um, making sure that we don't stay complacent and we keep working towards um, a better community or society that includes everyone and also um, works to um, support everyone wherever they are. Mm that have you on that support. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I think our generation is, we're focusing on a couple of different issues, but our ultimate goal is to make sure that people of marginalized identities from different classes, races, and 
different backgrounds all have the resources, support, and opportunities to thrive in the future. So that looks like we're big advocates for LGBTQ rights. We're big advocates mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. reproduct reproductive justice, police reform, um, Black Lives Matter, ending gun violence, all of those good things so that we can live the lives that our ancestors truly wanted. We want to see um, racist systems burn. Um, and I think Freedom School really gives us the tools to think critically um, and kind of brainstorm ways to undo, undo those things. Like for instance, in the classroom, every day just saying, I love being black. One, it boosts our students' self-esteem. It reminds them that in this space, although like outside of Freedom School, critical race theory, African-American studies is under attack, here, you're going to learn about your ancestors. You're going to learn about your culture because that matters. And that's what's going to lead you to being a successful um, human, a successful like individual in society. And I love that you said that. We want to see the system burn, right? And I, hey, this is a safe space for that. I don't know if you ever heard the podcast before, but we are not looking for allies. We're looking for co-conspirators. We're, we're going to take this down, right? This is what we're all about, all right? So... We are, we are in the business of providing resources. We are in the business of reform and or abolishment. We are in the business of supporting marginalized groups because that is what we are, right? Like this, there's a whole group of people out there who did not want us to even get our education, which I think is a beautiful segue into what we can talk about next, which is what in the heck is the Supreme Court doing right now? What, if for anyone that has not been listening to the news, or for anyone that is listening to the podcast for the first time because you just started caring about the rights of Black people and other marginalized groups. To sum it all up, the Supreme Court has said, and this is not a quote, this is a summary. You should go read the article. Please go read books in, in the news. Affirmative action discriminates against, get this, white people. Oh my God. <laughs> If you, if you, here's another summary, there is a group of white people, some not all, who are using the Fourteenth Amendment in the Constitution, saying that affirmative action does not protect them. Right, the document written for them does not protect them, and because of that, affirmative action has been repealed. Now, I would love to talk to you both about this because, as black people, right, this affects us the most. We, we want to have to understand what's going on so that we can fight against what's going on. But this is a conversation that isn't happening in a lot of spaces. And this is a space where we can have that conversation. So I would love to hear your thoughts because uh, I just said a lot. I'm going to step away for a second. So if you, any of you, either of you rather, have some comments on that or and some insight, I would love to hear it. And so would the viewers or listeners. Either or. So Joe, you can start because you're nodding your head a lot. I think that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Well, one, the decision disappointed me. So, so there were a couple of di different Supreme Court decisions made um, this month that were incredibly yeah. disappointing. Yeah, yes. But the affirmative action really disappoints me because so many universities and colleges um, have, have completely discriminated, blocked out, 
people from marginalized back, backgrounds, like black and brown people. There's us getting to college is already a fight. So to um, eliminate affirmative action and programs that focus on nurturing and creating pathways for marginalized people feels like it should be illegal. Like this reversal just feels like it should be impossible. Um, I, it truly feels like coming off of 2020, as we're seeing, saying Black Lives Matter, this move truly feels like Black education, Brown education is being under attack. And for me, I, it, it's, it's just truly disappointing. It's truly disappointing to see. And I hope that there's a bigger push and more students understand the power of a HBCU education, like why this exists. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, to, to, to your point, we, we as Black people do not have to ask if our education matters, right? Because obviously it does. We, we, us group of people, three right here, have done some amazing things, correct? And so we don't have to ask that question, but we do have to ask, why are you attacking us? It, like you said, it, it is a fight to get to where we are. And if we, if we as a as a nation, end quote, end quote, are for the collective success of, quote, America, end quote, why are you trying to put up a lot of barriers for us not to succeed? Brigitte, did you have anything to add? Yeah, I, I also felt that it was disappointing. And I agree with what Job had shared. And... I do, I do see that um, it prevents equity in the future and it allows, it prevents us from really seeing how we all are at different levels and we all need different levels of support. And um, I do feel like everyone should have the ability to receive higher education without having to go through so many hurdles. Right, because Absolutely. our white counterparts aren't going through the same hurdles. I mean, there's legacy students who will just get ushered into those Ivy League and state and private schools without a problem. So, yeah, there there's not much equity in when it comes to getting into higher education. And I believe they just made one more barrier um, because they see educated black people as a threat no absolutely no we are we are the most dangerous thing for america and, and if, you, if you really want to get into it uh back uh what's that may the don't say gay bill right for again for those who are not reading but please go pick up a book first of all let's go we're not gonna have that conversation right now but go go pick a book the don't say gay bill Essentially, it was talking about we. You're, we're not going to talk about sexuality or sexual orientation or any of that in classrooms. We're not going to teach that anymore. And a lot of political analysts were talking about how this is just a, a segue into some deeper issues. And now, what we experienced a couple of days ago is the deeper issue that they were talking about, because what what we're seeing is these little avenues that political, sorry, politicians are using to attack black people to directly attack our past, present, and future. So to your point, Joe, our white counterparts aren't experiencing this at all. And when you said that you were disappointed, when both of you said that you were disappointed in the Supreme Court ruling, 
I understand, but my next question would be, were you surprised? Because when I when I found out the ruling and I found that there was a 6-3, 6-3 vote, I said, well, guys, what's going on? You could and don't even get me started on on that, on Clarence Thomas. We ain't gonna talk about him today. Actually, we can if y'all want to, we can get into it, but I want to hear like, were you surprised about the decision? I I was slightly surprised because I was like, wow, we can continue to reverse these things. Like I thought, I thought we were good. I thought we were good. Clearly we're yeah, not. Right. <laughs> Clearly we're not. And um, you were talking about the don't say gay bill. And Brigitte, you also mentioned about you mentioned like the different levels and the shifts that's gonna happen. I see classrooms, especially at the collegiate level, truly um, losing value from critical conversations, whether that is about sexuality or race. I see like really cowardly conservative Republicans trying to trying to reinforce white supremacy by acting like they don't see color, how racism doesn't color or impact anything that's happened, especially education. So I see it even harder for black students to feel comfortable, to truly be challenged, to truly learn, to be empowered and know who they are. Um, yeah, I see this move as a way to disempower, to take power from black and brown students. And that to me is not shocking, especially after 2020, where it felt like we had a lot of momentum. We were naming and calling out systems of inequity. We were asking for people to be held accountable, all of these good things. And now it feels like they're cracking down because they feel like they're losing power and control. It is, it, you are correct. It is the, the blatant stripping of power from black and brown children because they don't, they might not know what's really going on, but it will impact their lives 10, 20 years down the line. And then it will impact their children's lives. Like the decisions made today by the Supreme Court affects the lives of my children. And I'm 21. And I had a kid, I had a, a JSL tell me what on Friday, you're old. <laughs> I said, oh my God. You're like, a legal adult. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm a le- I pay taxes, I vote, you know what I mean? Like, but I'm 21. And whenever I have children, this this thing is not going to go away unless we fight for it. Brigitte, you, I want to hear what you got to say. Um, I agree. Well, I guess I'll say I was surprised because... I didn't think that they would find something else to take away from us. And um, I also would have thought that after 2020, that it would encourage them to keep our those um, systems that help protect us. But in reality, it does feel like they're just falling down or they're trying to dismantle them, which is really disheartening because those are the systems that previous heirs have implemented to help us and to see that future generations from this point on may not have that same safety net is really disappointing to hear. I love that you said I was surprised that they found something else to take. I think that's powerful uh, because I, I forget which one you said it, but it was about complacency. 
right? Like, I wouldn't even say that statement is complacency. I would say it's like, like, oh my God. Because, Joe, you said, I thought he was cool. Because I thought he was cool, too. I'm like, hey, they can't take nothing else. Like, you can't bring back slavery. You can't bring back Jim Crow. But it's like, hey, guys, like, we're kind of losing rights here. What what's what's really going on? What why are you taking these things away? And jump to your point, it is definitely about the stripping of black black power from children and and just other people, right? So, I mean, riffing off of that, just to ask a kind of a follow up question to you both, whomever wants to take it, what happens? What happens if we choose to remove ourselves from this conversation, right? So it's kind of a two parter. You know, they can strip strip it from our schools. They can say, you cannot teach this in your classroom, right? But we, as a collective, as Black people, we can say, okay, well, regardless of that law, I don't want to be a part of this conversation. I do not want to talk about race in, in any of my school conversations, in any of my home conversations. What happens if we stop talking about race? Joe, we'll start with you because I want to give you guys a little bit of time to think. If if we stop talking about race, we stop talking about ourselves. We start we stop talking about our future, the current moment. We're not talking at all if we stop talking about race. Um, race is something that um, informs so much of our lives, all of our lives, and this country. So if we stop talking about race we definitely give in to white supremacy. And I think this is also a good like area to plug Freedom School as critical race theory and blackness, African-American studies is under attack in education. These summer programs, these after-school programs are just so necessary. They're community oriented um, and they're, they're meant to support black children, to teach black children. And I, as a child, I benefited from them. Our like Detroit, the Detroit Public Library had so many different activities and ways to engage and fall in love with books. I think teaching children how to read is one of the biggest assets. One of the greatest gifts you can give them is literacy because they know how to read and they can read critically the systems that impact their lives, and you give them tools to undo them. So, yes, 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 yes. To- the tools to undo them. Yeah, because I will be teaching my kids how to take this whole thing down. I'm not gonna lie. This 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 has to go. This has to go. But you know, yeah, we're we're not we're not just gonna sit here and pretend like this just didn't happen to us, right? And to your point, right? Like if we if we stop talking about race, and and I'm for a second, I'm not I don't mean to exclude anybody, but to to stop talking about being black in America, right? If we stop talking about that, we quite literally stop talking about ourselves. Like it is it is kind of impossible to stop talking about that. Cause that is who we are. That that's how we exist. That's 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 why I chose my HBCU, right? That's probably why you chose yours, you know what I'm saying? You know, spout house and <laughs> <Anyway>. um <laughs> We we have to you know, keep that in mind as we move forward. And going back to that momentum that we had in 2020, 2020 was the, that whole year was the reason why I chose to why I chose to come to Freedom School because I 
I'll be so honest with you. Like I have two immunocompromised people in my home, right? Like I, I did not feel comfortable going to the protests and, and possibly exposing myself to COVID during that time. And my mom, she was, and what I was what, 19, she wasn't letting me out the house. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I didn't have that kind of freedom. And so being involved that first year virtually for Freedom Schools allowed me to realize, oh, this is the black space that I've needed all my life. This is what I've been yearning for, but I didn't even know that I needed, right? And so it, it, it's just been so eye-opening to see the kind of damage that can be done when we are not even expecting it. Because on top of that, and I, I think this happened yesterday, the Supreme Court also decided on uh, Biden's debt relief plan. And oh, they denied tough. that too. Oh, man, 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 man. They just so, had a ball so up there, didn't a, they? Right. They were just, they were just making no, conversations, no, no, right? No, 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 Yeah, right, right, right. It's so, it, it's so interesting because you decide on college, right? You that front of action. You decide on, uh, you decide on, on student loans, right? And inadvertently, if you choose to, to, to follow the colorblindness that, that some people subscribe to, you can say, oh, the Supreme Court is just making it, uh, one, harder to get into college, and two, trying to make sure that, you know, people are paying their student loans. But I feel like as Black people, we are realizing, okay, first, this is an attack on Black people, and also, this is an economic attack on Black people. Like, what, what are we really talking about here? And so, I, I didn't have a question for that, but it was more so, you know, as a, as a, like a new graduate you graduated two years ago right or last or this year? last year in 2022 last year 2022 so as a new graduate um you do i do not want to hear about your financial situation i did not that's not it but as a new graduate how do you see this impacting for somebody that might have had student loans and is like i don't know how i'm going to pay these off i was relying on this plan regardless of how hard i work this is an unreal amount of money to pay Right? Like, what does that look like for them? Oh my gosh, it's deflating. It's like, what do y'all really want me to do? Because here in this recession, it's incredibly hard to get a job, a job in your field. And then as a new graduate, now we're talking about this debt that we were hoping, praying, and kind of promised that would be canceled is no longer going to be canceled. It's it feels like a huge burden, a huge hurdle to overcome. Um, thankfully, though, for me, in my case, when it came to undergrad, my parents were very firm about, Joe, we are not taking any loans, not a loan out for you. Mm. Well, so, well, well. <laughs> I graduated from Spelman debt-free, but that's because... Amen. Um, before coming to Spelman, I applied to almost every single scholarship there was out there. And along my journey, um, Spelman, the power that be, God, everyone kind of just galvanized to make sure that my dream, my goal of graduating debt-free was possible. So I want to plug scholarships. And while I was running as Ms. Spelman, I wanted to also, a part of my campaign and my platform was teaching high school students how to prepare for college through scholarships. It was a huge, big undertaking for me because when my parents said, we're not taking out a loan, I said, okay, well, y'all also want me to go to college. How is this gonna happen? <laughs> and then when my mom said, Joe, I really see you at Spelman. 
I was like, girl, that's $50,000 that we don't have each year. So what are you talking about? Um, So, and I also, in Detroit, I went to Cass Technical High School, which is one of the biggest high schools in Detroit. Like my graduating class from high school was about like maybe six or 700 mostly black children. And that year in 2018, I was the only student to go to Spelman. And that was very disheartening. I was like, wow, no one from my school, this big school could go to Spelman. So while I was during undergrad, it was my goal to make sure that I could create pathways. I used my tools as an English major to teach students how to write um, award-winning scholarship essays. That was my whole goal, to educate people on how to afford college because whether you're planning or whether you're about to graduate with loans, it is very discouraging uh, trying to figure out that financial plan forward. Absolutely, yeah. And just to relate to you on that, uh, here in Philly, the only, per- like we had in my year, in my graduating year 2020, it was me and another young man that got into Morehouse, but he didn't go. Right. He, he, I don't know why he didn't, it must actually, it was financial. I'm pretty sure it was financial, but glory be to God, I got a full scholarship into Morehouse. Like that, that was my way. Right. So, but it was like, I looked at the data, right? Like we had this little access to this little college portal thing. It was telling us who went where out of the maybe decade that my school had been open a little bit more, only five people applied to Morehouse college. And that was eye opening to me because I'm like, well, why? Well, like, what's up with that? And so this is a question of my own interest because of what I do outside of uh, Freedom School and outside of uh, or inside of school. And Brigitte, this can be for you. How do we as Black people start creating spaces that resemble Freedom Schools, right? That are, one, first, and first and foremost and always, empowering, empowering students, empowering our babies, right? How do we create that space? And two, how do we take that and and expand it? How do we make the spaces that we create? How do we put them out into the universe and say, this is for me and I'm opening it up for me and I give it to you because we know the power and what it means to have our own and to create our own. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is starting clubs, organizations, nonprofits, and, um, and really making it like a weekly or annual thing where um, communities are coming together um, constantly and um, constantly seeing each other and interacting to build that relationship and community. And I feel like at this point, we're, we're in a really good space where communication, if we are using it to its most um, at most ability, we can really communicate across borders and state lines and make it more of a national thing. And um, I think that the one thing I loved about um, FSLA was the chants and cheers. And I do think that that's a nice way to consistently um, encourage affirmations and positively, positivity within the community. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody knows anything about Freedom School, again, Harambe, we do it every morning. And Harambe, I believe the loose translation is coming together. 
right? So I, I love that you just said that. I love that you were able to tie in something that you learned at Freedom School right here in our little podcast session, right? Because it's all about coming together. Because I'm in Philly, Job is in Detroit, you're in Memphis, and we're still having this conversation because we all we all have had similar experiences. And I guess my, my a follow-up question would be to really harp on the fact that spaces like this are, are kind of rare, right? Joe, you had you had the a series of black educators in your life, right? Brigitte, you had the f- sprinkled here and there, and I had two, really. Yeah, two. Jesus Christ, that's a sad number. It's okay. We'll get over it. We're 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 at, we're at HBCU now. We're good, right? So, I guess a follow up question would be to kind of figure out like what are some ways that you all are doing that work, right? So, where you are now, how are you reaching back to the young people? What do you actually? Let's let's do this. What are you doing at your site? If you if you started already, what are you doing at your site, or what are you looking forward to doing at your site? That's going to help you build this community? That's such a good question. I wanted to piggyback off of Brigitte about what other people can do to build spaces like Freedom School. And one is very simple, and that is reading to Black children. Um, Mm. Last summer, I fell in love with children's books. Teaching healed my inner child. I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't. Yes, I was like, Someone should write that down. Teaching heals your inner child. Man, I could tell you a story. Go ahead. Yes. Go, go ahead. Go yes, ahead. Yes, there are so many beautiful books that Black authors have created for Black children that talk about the difficult things, that talk about silly things, that talk about your favorite things. Go to a public library, pick up some books, read to a kid. As a kid, I often wrote my own books and would read them to my siblings or my parents and I, like have a little book talk. But read to Black children. I think that is... One of the best ways that you can create spaces like Freedom School in your own home. Yes, Um, absolutely. But this summer, I just want to shout out um, the Detroit site because we are really, truly doing our thing. Maybe like we can get in one huge group me so I can see what y'all are doing in Memphis and Philly. But this year, I'm so excited because all of the SLAs and the JSLs poured their heart and soul into creating classrooms that are creative, like beautiful spaces. These are these are classrooms that are works of art. My classroom is Black Panther theme. It's Wakanda forever. So we've got like the women warriors on the door talking about welcome to Wakanda. We have Black Panther masks and mules and posters everywhere. Um, my other peers, they created rooms that are like dedicated to countries like Jamaica. My sibling, they created a Western, like a black cowboy room. You you got to see these rooms. Like, yeah, I got it. No, definitely. Candyland room. So I just know from day one, the kids are com- going to come in and they're going to feel like they're loved. Someone planned, someone prepped, someone cut out all these like little crazy DIY projects so that you could enjoy learning in this space. So I'm excited about Absolutely. that. I'm excited to see the kids. Yeah. Y'all can't see it, but everybody on the podcast right now is smiling ear to ear because I feel like we all understand what it means to us that we've, we have created these rooms for these children, right? My, my door last year was, or no, two years ago when I was at Heredy, Mastery Heredy, it was Welcome to the Jungle. Mm. 
And if you know anything about Morehouse College, our mascot is the Maroon Tigers. So all of my children were, yeah, right. They were Maroon Tigers, right? Um, And so, Joe, to to your point, like that, that work, that hard work, right? That nobody, okay. If you are not an educator or you have no interest in education, you do not want to sit in a classroom for X amount of hours cutting out wherever you're cutting out to make a door. You don't. It is hard work. It is very hard work. If you've never done it, it is hard work. But guess what? When the children come on the first day, man, and they see their name on their desk or they see, oh, look at look at T'Challa on the door. Look at you know the door, Melage on the door. They're going to light up because they are seeing themselves represented in our heroes and our culture and everything like that. Brigitte, what are you doing at your site? this summer to make sure that your kids feel loved and that they belong? Um, I think for me personally, it's like fostering a relationship with the students I have, really getting to know them the first day and making sure I implement that information in our day-to-day lesson so that they know that I care and I'm listening. And so far, it seems like that's worked um, because students come back to me during recess and they seem to really reach out to me and ask for more help after class hours. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. Like what you're doing is you're, you're taking the skills that you're applying, you're learning. Oh my God. You're learning. You're learning. You are applying what you are, what you've been taught to real life. And that is the beauty of learning. That is the beauty of what we have here. And I think what's so rare about what we're doing today well, actually, what we're going to do back on Wednesday, because that is when that's my first day. I, we haven't started yet. So we we've been training for two weeks. We have our kids come in on Wednesday right after July 4th. But there's nothing to celebrate on July 4th. But anyway, that's a different question, different, different thing. We we will be starting that on that day. And whatever we do on that first day sets the tone for the rest of the summer. And it's refreshing to hear that you both have a plan to make sure that your students feel loved and cared for. Because quite frankly, when they when they are out in normal public schools, private charter, whatever, I don't know, I can't trust our education system to give this to them. And what's so unique about the center and FSLA specifically is that you have black people loving black children in the ways that only we know how to do it. You feel me? Like we aren't, we aren't, putting on a show, well, we kind of are putting on a show. Teaching is just a, it, teaching is acting. If you, if you know, you know, oh my God. Yes, uh, yes. We, yeah, like, man. man Lights, like, camera, action. We are, man, you turn on every yeah. day, every single day, right? And, but we are loving on these kids the, the best way that we know how. And if you, if you are a first time listener to the podcast and you, you're probably not gonna hear my voice hosting this again. I would love to, Shana, you should bring me back. But this is the first time, right? You should always keep in mind that what we do here at the center is, is we're building a literal pipeline. My site, uh, uh, Tanner Duckery, Duckery Tanner, whatever you want to call it, I, we have five returning SLAs, which is the most that I've ever encountered. And I worked with them last year. That is my family. That is my family. And I love them to death. And so, Brigitte, this is your first time around. This is your first go around. And Joe, this is your second go around. 
Okay, so we have varying experiences here. Joe, what kind of advice can you give to Brigitte? What have you learned with something that you took away or you're taking away with your second go around? And if you want to apply that generally to anybody listening, that's okay too. But I want this conversation to happen between you two because I think you go, you both have some really good experiences to offer each other. Brigitte, I feel like you're already an excellent educator. But one thing that I remind myself each day at Freedom School is to surrender to joy. People talk about all of the bad things that happen in education, in the schools, to Black people, Black children. But at Freedom School, I think there are just so many valuable and magical moments that unfold. And if you get too much, if you get too caught up in the chaos of the day, how things are changing, oh my gosh. I mean, I wrote this lesson plan and nothing, nothing is going my way. Sometimes you just got to surrender to the joy of having, you know, those students in front of you. You have an opportunity to pour into them and learn from them. So that's my one piece of advice. And the second one is for everyone who's listening, people who might not necessarily be an educator or for those who are, but treat teaching Black children with the utmost seriousness. I think teachers have this superpower um, they have the ability to transform students' outlook on the world and themselves. They have the opportunity to train our future leaders. So each day you must treat your job with the utmost seriousness because you are truly impacting others' lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brigitte, did you have anything that as a as a first go around, you know what I'm saying? It's your first time. Welcome to it. Welcome to the chaos. So welcome to the beauty as well. You know what I'm saying? Because you're about to have a time, I'm going to tell you. What is something that you might be wondering? Like, what are some things that you're like, I'm a little nervous about this. You know what I'm saying? Like, this happened. I don't know what to do. Like, is there anything that you think that we can support you in? Because this, this is what it's all about. You know what I'm saying? I'm three years in. Job is two years in. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are some things that we can help you with? I guess, what are some ways that you lean on to, to comfort Black children during distressing times and also um, to just to talk to them if they're going through a hard time in their lives? Absolutely. Uh, for, for me, when I am in the classroom and when I am having to deal with all of all that I am, right, like the life stuff that happens to me. And then the life stuff that happens to this young child, I always have to remember what would I have wanted? Like, I can't always apply it to the young child because like they're, they have their own experience. They are beautifully and uniquely made. They, they have their life. But what is something that I look for in an adult that I never got, right? Like what can I be the shoulder to cry on, right? Can I be the, well, what do you need in this moment? Can I be the, let's go buy you some lunch, right? Like, what do you need? Because in those moments, you realize, like Job said, like you are healing your inner child. This hard work that we keep talking about, like you are healing what what you wish you had. And I think in those moments, you also realize like the humanity that they these children offer. They are reminding you that you are a person, that you also have needs that, be, that need to be cared for. They're reminding you that you also deserve love. You deserve respect. You deserve care. You have to give everything that you need to them 
which also means you have to lean on your coach and your other SLAs and your JSLs because, Lord, I will tell you, you cannot do this work alone. I tried. I tried. It does not work. It, it, will, it will take you out before you take it out. So my, my, my only thing for you is just to be give what you wish you had and then give a little bit more to but sustain yourself. Yes, that's really great advice from the expert educator three years in. Also, Horace, I just wanted to say this. You know, you don't see too many Black men educators. So I'm just so proud of you and happy that you love teaching children. So that's awesome. But Brigitte, I would also say when it comes to um, comforting students during difficult times, in my class from the first day, I teach my students different gestures. So in my class, um, we show support by rolling our hands, doing like a little disco roll. <laughs> and whenever anyone is struggling, I go, scholars, it looks like so-and-so needs some support. And then I have them look around and I'm like, you see all these people supporting you? We're here for you. This is a place of affirmation of love, of kindness, learning is hard. So we're gonna support you through it. So I incorporate little signals, little gestures. I think ASL is a really um, great way to also incorporate movement and signals in another language into the class. But that's how I comfort students. That was dope. I, I have never seen that before. I might take yeah. that. I might, I might, I'm gonna give you credit. I'll give you credit. <laughs> I'm like, like this, that was good. I like that. Uh, so as we wrap up, as we wrap up, I have one final thing I want to do, um, and this requires that, you know what I'm saying, you think a little bit, but it's easy. It's not a test or anything, you know what I'm saying, we're just going gonna, gonna to do it. I want you to think about that Black educator that changed your life, that changed your life for the good or for the bad, because you can still say thank you, right? Think about the educator that helped you get to where you are think about the educator that inspired you to play the cello that inspired you to become all that you are because frankly i don't think that they get enough praise especially with our political climate that we talked about and the stripping of power from each and every one of us this is our moment to say thank you to those who came before us and who have taught us so I can go first. I'll give you guys time to think of that person. I would like to thank Dr. Adria Welcher. She is my sociology professor and my research advisor over at Morehouse College. She has become a mother, an aunt, and truly a friend to me in this crazy stage of my life that I have been in. I want to say thank you for all that you are and all that you have helped me grow into. And I pray that you inspire more young Black men such as myself. And that's how you do that. You don't have to do it like that. But you can say thank you in any way that you, and you want to. And that's how we'll wrap up our show today. So, Jope, are you, are you ready? Yes. Okay. So I have so many people to thank because I grew up in a community of Black educators. Like I mentioned before, my parents are both educators. And they have teacher friends who are all black. So my aunties, my actual aunties, my fake aunties are all teachers. I've been blessed to just grow up around people who cared about my education. 
then I went to high school and then I went to Spelman and I want to also name a couple of educators who have been the mothers to my mind. I want to thank Dr. Cynthia Spence, Dr. Gloria mm. Wade-Gales, um, and Dr. Rebecca Kumar for nurturing me at Spelman College. The things that I've learned in and outside of their classroom stick with me to this day. And I truly want to say thank you for pouring so much heart, soul into me. Yeah, so um, I'm grateful to have more than one. So I first want to thank Ms. Pasquale because um, I really wouldn't have been playing without her and I'm just grateful to have met her. And I also would like to thank Dr. Caldas, who is a professor I'm going to have next fall and who I've had a couple of times during my college journey. And she just continues to um, remind me why I why multicultural literature is so important. And um, she's a great teacher. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful from you both. I would like to say that if you did not hear your name during our thank yous, just know that you are still appreciated. All right. Hosting a podcast is stressful. We might not be able to think of your name right now, but we love you all the same because your work has not <laughs> has not escaped us, we promise. Okay. All Ashe, right. Ashe, Ashe. Ashe, Ashe. The last thing we're gonna do, right? So we do y'all do y'all start on Wednesday or have y'all already started? We start on Wednesday. Okay, so we start we all start on July 5th. Okay. So one thing I'm gonna do. If anyone is listening right now. And you're like, how do I get involved in Freedom Schools? First, if you are a college student, you should apply to be an SLA in your city. If you're in Detroit, Memphis, Camden, or Philadelphia. Or if you're virtual, there's a brother named Brother Trent. And I think he's calling in from California every day. So check that out. If you are a high school student, become a JSO in your city, the same cities I mentioned, and virtual. If you are a person with Mm, you can't really teach and you don't want to teach, but you want to give something. Find out how to give. Because if you see how they're doing this in the, in the government, there are other ways that you can get involved. And lastly, I want to give a thank you to Brigitte and to Joe for having a fantastic conversation. And the last thing I'm going to do, Joe, are you excited for school on Wednesday? I sure am. Please, it, was that a cheer and chat? Because oh. I was like, okay. No, 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 no. You good. I'm just asking you a question. No, we I good. thought that was like a we magic question. I thought that was a magic question. No, 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 no. Oh, we can do one. Actually, that's how we finish it out. Thank you. Thank you, Joe, for doing that. Anyway, Brigitte, are you excited yes, for school moments? Yes, I am. I'm excited to go back. Okay. 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 Here's our magic question. If you don't know, if you don't know, then you're about to find out. I don't want to yell. I was about to yell. All right, ready? Freedom Schools, how y'all feeling? Fantastic. Terrific. Go great. All day long. And hey, all over the camera is a little hard, but there's joy radiating out of everybody. So 
I want to thank you both for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Shannon Terrell, for having me as a guest host. Thank you to everybody listening. We had a great time doing this. We had critical conversation. If y'all want to get involved, get involved. The fight never stops. We are not looking for allies. We're not looking for Instagram posts. We are looking for co-conspirators so we can turn this whole stuff upside down. So thank you all. And that's our show.